our, our minds will be transformed and renewed today. And we go out with something different and fresh to live out this week. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Danny. Really appreciate that. Thank you. This is for hosting so well. Sorry, is that my water or is that you? Is that mine? Okay. I don't know. Well, we're going to share some logies in that day. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. How's everyone doing? Good. Yeah, it's good, eh? Sometimes it's... Um, in a meeting like this, sometimes it's hard to know what's what's going on, <laughs> and you kind of sit there thinking, "Oh, I just started, you know." And you t- just close your eyes and you're trying to hear God and say, "Ultimately, it will be so much easier just to have a nice program that we stick to." Yeah. But it's just nope. no. Sometimes, I mean, you read the Book of Acts; uh, things happen that they did not plan for, yeah. and if we're going to ever live that again, we've got to be open to that. I mean, if you think about, can you imagine them thinking, we're doing this little prayer meeting, 120 of us, uh, 3,000 people are going to get saved, and then our strategy is going to be, we put, put them all into life groups, sort them out. Can you imagine doing a little prayer meeting, suddenly 3,000 more people are at church? Yes, right. What would we do? <laughs> you know, but that's God's way. You know, wind from heaven, fire from heaven. That's how God works. <laughs> He just arrives and then suddenly lives are changed. And so with true life, I'm trusting God for these moments. So we've got to be open to them. Amen. Amen. So, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for it today. Um, my, my longing and my heart is never to offend you, but to love you. Um, I don't think this is an offensive message at all. I think this is a very loving message about purpose and destiny. But there, how many of you know there is a race to run? That's right. How many of you know that? There is a race to run that only you can run. Amen? That if you have ever looked at your life, um, uh, are there any runners in the house today? Can you raise your... Roel, there we go. Are there any good runners in the house today? Okay, one confident Roel. I think you'll be a good runner. Um, How many of you have ever been on a run and thought you were going to die? Wow, the unity in this church just shot right up, you know. When you first start running, how many of you know that feeling when you, you first start? I remember I was about 16 when I decided to start running. And I, I got these running shoes. I went down to a field. I thought, I'm going to learn to run. I want to run five kilometers. I'm going to run around, run around this field until I can do this. And when I started running, by the second lap, you know you taste blood in your throat. Anyone know what I'm talking about? That's a horrible feeling. Um, don't act like you feel that. Braz is naturally fit. He was always fit as a younger. Um, but when I run with Brad, even now, I feel that blood in my throat because he takes it to a new level. Anyone be on a run with someone like that? They are not your friend. Amen. So I've, I've been on some runs, but I know one of the funniest runs that I went on was with Anna. And it wasn't a planned run, but we were, <laughs> this was our early days um, of our relationship. And we were in South Africa by uh, this beautiful mountain range, and we're on this beautiful walk. And I realize it's about a 12, 15 kilometer walk uh, through these mountains. I'm about to get us lost. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, in your memory is kind of like, I think that's the path to go. That's the one, whatever. And you go on this journey. And you know what's so funny is my cousins, they run a guest farm. And they had lunch ready for us with ice cream as a dessert. And I thought, 
we're not going to make it. You know, we have this backpack on, we go in, Anna's carrying a backpack. I'm like, we are not going to make it unless we run. And I said to Anna, we've got to run. She's like, surely they'll just keep the food for us. But I said, then you can't get seconds. We've got to run. And so, literally, <laughs> do you remember this, babe? We start running, and Anna's like, die. She's like, I, I don't care about the lunch anymore. Like, keep going. Keep going. We are running until we get there. We are not stopping. We're not missing lunch. We are going to get that ice cream if that's the last thing that we do. Blood's in the throat. Water's run out. But we are running because we're not missing dessert. Anyone ever been there? No, you haven't. All the men in the room, you know you would run. But I tell you, it was such good ice cream. I was willing to run and sacrifice my relationship if it came to it in order to get to the ice cream. Because <laughs> no, no, no. my wife was not happy with me at that point. How many of you know that? Do you remember that, babe? It was, oh yeah, it was 30 degrees. Sorry, I forgot to put that little bit of information. But yeah, here's the thing. Is <laughs> when you go on uh, on a run, there is so much that can uh, you know. I, I love it because your mental state gets sharper. You kind of get a clear head when you're running, when you exercise, and you're getting out there. If someone's feeling down, I always say first thing to do: get out of the house and go for a run. Why? Because there's something that shifts in your thinking when you're suddenly on a journey and you're not just sitting at home waiting for life to happen to you, but you're getting out there and say, "I'm going to run." I'm going to run. And what we read in the Bible today, we're going to see um, the writer of Hebrews. Some think it's Paul, but who knows? We'll debate that another time. Uh, but in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 39, I'm going to start there and then just two verses I'm going to preach from today. It says this in Hebrews 11:39. Uh, These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them. Can you say none of them? None of them. Okay, can you all say it? None of them, none of them. received what was promised. God had planned something. Can you say planned? planned? How many of you know God has a plan? When you look at this world, Daniel was sharing about there, there is an overarching plan over history that God has. But it says God had planned something better. Can you say better? better. For us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything. Can you say everything? everything? That hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Can you say entangles? And let us run. Can you say let us run? With perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Beautiful verses that you see in Hebrews 11, the writer saying all these men and women of faith, they literally shook and shaped history. You have Abraham in there, a man who was literally the father of the faith, right in there, living out his faith story. You have Noah. Anyone heard of Noah? Yeah. You imagine, it says, by faith, Noah in holy fear built an ark to save his family. Crazy. He had to have faith in order to live out his God's story. Yet in the West, we, we kind of make God's story just a man-made possible thing. We say, you don't need any faith. How many of your lives require faith to survive? How many of your stories require faith? 
Or how many of them are just relying purely on your bank account, on your job, on your performance, on what you can do? How many of them are rooted and relying on faith itself? Because for some reason we seem to have lost that part of our stories. Where we just want to survive in our own strength and what we can accomplish rather than in who He is. But no, you can imagine him building this ark. And imagine his wife saying to him, why are you building that thing? There's no water. Can you imagine? A man hears from God and he starts building, putting in that next plank. And everyone around him starts laughing at him. Saying, why are you building an ark in a desert? What are you doing? And he keeps going and he keeps going. Why? Because by faith, he saw something coming that no one else saw. And suddenly you might look up and the sky's clear, but he could see the clouds were coming. And so often in our lives, we can make our decisions based on what the sky is saying today rather than what we see by faith. And actually, it's time that we see that all these guys' faith stories come up. And it was amazing. It talks about David, David sorry, uh, Jacob, Isaac, Joseph, all these famous people in the Bible. If you're not from a Christian background, you'll learn about them at some point. But you see these people, and he says that they did not receive what was promised, that God had planned something better to only together with us, the church, could the plan of God be fulfilled. Amazing. And I ask you the question is that soft and all of these guys were living for a legacy to be left for us to inherit. And we've been talking about this a lot saying, how are we living our lives? Are we thinking about the next generation coming after us? Are we thinking about the legacy of faith in this nation that we're going to leave for a generation to come? Or are we just thinking about ourselves saying, oh, well, if I don't get the promise then this whole God thing is just not worth it. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yet these guys still lived by faith even when they died because they knew that God was faithful to His Word even if they did not see it. They laid the foundation for another generation to see it one day. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Come on. So, that was for free. But here's, yeah, here's, here's a verse that I love. It says, uh, Therefore we are surrounded by these guys and they're cheering us on. And they say, Let us throw off everything that hinders. It doesn't say sin. The sin part's next. It says the sin that so easily entangles. But before that, it says, let's throw off everything that hinders. How many of you know some things hinder you and don't help you? Some things in your life will actually take you away from God, and they're not necessarily sin. You know, uh, Netflix isn't sin itself. Some of you think, well, maybe. No, Netflix isn't sin itself. But can Netflix hinder you or can it help you? both but if it's hindering you throw it off (laughs) if it's hindering chuck it away can your cell phone hinder you or help you both if it's hindering you chuck it away (laughs) seriously some of you are struggling with pornography get a black and white phone remember those (laughs) serious if Nokia 3310, you can still play Snake. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Come on. All the kids born in the 90s. Uh, no. Here's the thing. is If you've been hindered by technology, why don't you learn to use technology to help you and not hinder you? Because you've got a race to run. What about, you know, friendships? Some of them are hindering you. Some of them are helping you. You've got a race to run. What are you going to do? Some of you need to throw off some. 
Some of you need to put others on. But the Bible says you need to throw off. Another translation says, let us throw off every weight that hinders you. Every weight. I love that because Maya Grace, where's, I don't even know. Is she asleep? So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. <laughs> yeah, no, I will. she's used to it. <laughs> but Maya Grace, it's all cute. I remember Brad and I, we were on holiday together and we're going up this, she must have been, I don't even know how old, a few months three four months four months we have this little baby and it's one of the most windy days by the beach and we decide to walk up this mountain and the wind was so strong it was like pushing us do you remember and we decide we're going to take Maya Grace on the journey with us and we take her and it's all cute in that but that extra weight it did not help you we didn't throw her off don't worry uh, we <laughs> I can see where some of your thoughts are going. The story ends well. Uh, she's still here. Uh, but we, we walk it up, and me and Brad, were, you, we were juggling between us. I'm like, okay, if, now I was trying to work out if I go up, do I carry on the up or the down, which is going to be easier. Um, but anyway, it worked out well. But so often, when you carry extra weight and you try and do a journey, it ta- it's more tiring. Yeah. And we've got to learn what we need to throw off in our lives. Instagram. How much is it helping your walk with Jesus and your race with Christ? Or, I mean, seriously, if, if your insecurity, if you're trying to deal with an insecurity in order to accomplish a race that God's given you and actually do a purpose greater than yourself and not just a self-indulgent purpose, maybe it's time you start looking at your life and saying, what is taking all my time? Yeah, yeah. You know, when you look on that Instagram thing, it says usage. How many hours? What's it saying? Don't, don't look now. But um, on Facebook, whatever your thing is, if you're in an older generation Facebook, if you're in a younger generation TikTok, if you're just normal Instagram, I don't know. You know, wh- whatever, <laughs> whatever generation you're in, you know, uh, guys, just so you know, I'm in the Facebook generation. So I- I'm transitioning, trying to adapt, to relate, and I'm struggling, yeah? <laughs> but, I, I mean, how did that happen? Is TikTok, no, no one understands. I don't get it. I just don't understand it. But here's the thing. That thing could be hindering you from your purpose in Christ. Yeah. And I ask you, how many of you, and I, I say this a lot, but you come away from an Instagram scrolling session, a Facebook scrolling session, and you say, I feel so much better about my God-given calling in Christ yeah. and my identity. I, I don't know many people that do. <laughs> and my question is... I, I mean, if you have a friend that always puts you down, like you go and visit them all the time and they, you know, hey, you know, your, your hair, Eden, is just, I don't know, what is that? You know, it's like shocking. And then, you know, they point out and they say, Eden can take this, <laughs> your elbows are like this, you know, this, these elbows are strange or your hands are really, weird. and Eden, do you think he's going to come away feeling great from that um, encounter? No. <laughs> He'd probably not be your friend for too long, would you? I mean, if you had any kind of self-respect, you wouldn't. <laughs> wow. The, the amazing thing is people do that all the time with social media. They keep going back, 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 back. They come away feeling rubbish, 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 rubbish. And they keep going back, 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 back. And they don't even ask the question, why am I doing this? So you can just go and lose all your contentment in life because you, you want to be part of the social network. 
Now, I'm not saying just become monks and, you know, disappear and become Amish. No, I'm saying if this thing's hindering your race in Christ and you can't control it because it's one of the most addictive things just as a drug addiction, maybe it's time you slow down and say, wait, what am I doing with my life? Have I lost perspective of the race that God's called me to run? That's what we called for. Amen. So you see here that perseverance. So he says, we're going to throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So now he brings in sin. And I, I, I mean, this is my interpretation. You could have a slightly different one. You could say any sin in any way, shape or form. I agree. I, I, I can see how you could read that in. But in this context, in the scripture, I would argue quite strongly that the context, what is the sin that so easily entangles? What is it? Because it seems quite a specific thing. And in this context, he's talking about faith throughout the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, all the men and women of faith. The sin of unbelief was one of the biggest sins in Hebrews that he was dealing with throughout the book. And that actually robbed the Israelites of their inheritance. So what's the sin that so easily entangles? I would argue it's unbelief. And people don't often see unbelief as a sin. They don't. They say, oh, you're just, oh, you're doubting in your faith, all oh, this, it's that, oh, we, tre- we treat people so nasty when they're in the sin of unbelief. But any other sin, we're like, can't believe you did that. Oh, my goodness, you know, that's it. Yet the one that will rob you of everything in Christ that God's called you to is a sin of unbelief. Yeah. Why do we tolerate it? Yeah. Why do we tolerate people walking in a spirit of unbelief? When that's the thing that costs a generation their inheritance. You want, you want some more scripture? Come on, yeah. hey, come on. there we go. Because uh, Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, do you want some more peace and quiet? <laughs> John 16 verse 8, what does it say? When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. Verse 9, in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. What's the sin? Unbelief. You want to, do you want any more proof that, you know, that unbelief is sin? It's the one sin people are actually dying and going to hell for. Because every other sin can be forgiven, but the one that we can, Christ could not die for is our unbelief. Because we need to be saved through faith, by grace. Come on. This is vitally important. So, what am I saying? If you doubt, you unsay. No, 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 no. I'm saying there's an inheritance here and that you are saved by grace through faith. There's a saving faith. Then there's an inheriting faith that you need to activate and live by. Yeah. It doesn't just happen. It's not just a passive journey. You know, when you train to go on a run, you have to actively put on those shoes. Yeah. Actively put on, you know, whatever you wear. I look like a bit crazy when I go to the <laughs> as Ben would attest to. Um, but... When I go to the gym, I don't care what I look like. I'm there to die. I'm going to run until I'm sweating. You know, that's it's true. These guys struggle. But the reason is I want to be, get fitter. I want to, I'm not there to impress anyone. I'm going to the gym to get fit. You know, when we come to church, I say, what are we doing? Are we here to actually stir up our faith and say, I want to run this race for eternity? I want my children to grow up and to see a father who has sacrificed whatever it takes in order to run his race. Not just a father that sits there and self-indulgent and we have this nice little happy family and everyone's just, you know, there, there'll be times where the kids are crying because we say, no, we're going to church. We're going on mission. Like, oh, daddy, you know, I no, 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 we're on mission. 
you're going to see the calling of Christ fulfilled in our lives. Amen. So, perseverance, who wants that? <laughs> Come on. I'm hitting this one. But I, don't, I said before, I think we've lost this ability to persevere in our races. We throw the race out so quickly and we say, oh no, it must be something wrong. No, no, no. Perseverance is a gift from God. And we need to learn to persevere again. And you know the word for race translated is um, the word, oh, I've got it here, I've got it here. It's actually a beautiful word. It's um, agonah, agonah, where we get agonizing from. That's what the word for race means. So when Jesus says, hey, you've got a race, Eden, there's going to be agony attached to that thing. How many of you know when you're on a, a run or a walk or whatever you do and your legs start getting sore? Your legs start getting sore. You know, that's when you start getting fit. I remember when we used to train a lot. There's no pain, no gain. But we come to Christianity and we think, oh, you know, it's just going to happen. And we're going to be butterflies. And we're going to float around and everyone's going to be happy. No, there'll be times where you are so down and you're thinking, I cannot do this thing anymore. But you're going to put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And you're going to keep going. Why? Because even if there's a bit of agony, I know that there's a race marked out for me. And I'm going to keep going and persevering until I see God's promises fulfilled in my life and in the lives of people around me. Come on. That even when we give up and we think, oh man, let's look, oh, I'll come to this now, look into Christ and we're going to come to that. It's going to be awesome. But being passive never wins a, wins a race. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not about perfection, but it's about perseverance. You know, they say in business, and I, I say this a lot, is, you know, 80, 90% of success is just showing up. <laughs> Tim laughs because he knows it's true. Yeah, it's not the brightest and the sharpest and all of that that win. It's normally the ones that just show up consistently. Yeah. You want to do well in anything in life. This, is, this goes beyond just your... We as Christians should be the most wanted people in the business world. Yeah. People should think those are the most trustworthy, reliable people, persistent people that I've ever seen and ever known. They bring joy to my day. They make my day lighter because they just want to serve and lay down their lives. And equally, those of you that are called to actually start something... God, you should be the most dedicated person that works longer than anyone else because you want to show a world what a mission looks like beyond a financial reward to an inheritance that you're building for a generation to come. Amen. Come on. But the second point about a race <laughs> is that you need to stay in your lane. You need to know your place. We all want to be Mr. Miyagi, but actually, it's time. Do you guys even know who Mr. Miyagi is? Because I always say, guys, karate kid, you know? What's wrong with you guys? Oh, we need to show it here one day. Wax off. <laughs> wax on, wax off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but, the, you know, I don't even know why I brought Mr. Miyagi into that. But... Your place, knowing your place, knowing your lane is one of the most vital things in life. Because why? Comparison is a thief of joy. You want to start comparing your life to everyone around you, you're never going to fulfill the destiny on your life. Because there's a grace only for your life to fulfill its purpose. And the same thing for True Life Church. If we start looking around and thinking, Oh man, Hillsong are doing this. Fantastic. Let them do it. Bethel are doing this. Fantastic. Let them do it. I don't even know. What's another? Sandals are doing this. You don't know who Sandals are. Uh, what's another one? 
elevation are doing this. We're going to follow that. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, elevation will do that. Let's just, you know, for, that's great. Bless them. Let them do it. We are not any of them. We are Jesus' church. And He's got a purpose and a DNA for us in this city that we need to walk in and stay in our lane, celebrate the victories of others. Amen. But also not compare and try and be something that we're not. We learn and take, uh, we sit at the feet of these guys. But ultimately, we want to serve the purposes of God for Milton Keynes and not try and be someone else. Because the quickest way to steal your joy is go on holiday, look on Instagram and see where else someone else has gone on holiday. Why do people do that? Why do you take... Okay, I'm just going to throw one out there. Uh, if anyone's done this recently, I have not seen it. But taking photo of our food. <laughs> Mitch is like, What? <laughs> But no, 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 it's cool. Like, take your photo. But why do we? Why do I want to look at a photo of your food? I, I, I'm seriously. Like, I, I'm sitting there eating my bagel, and I want to watch you eating your steak. Like, why would I want to do that? Like, why are you putting that on my? I don't want. To, I want to block that because my contentment suddenly gets robbed. You put this nice Mitch's nice meal comes up on Instagram. Whatever you're eating, you're going to be robbed of joy. You may think, oh, let me go and eat that. It's, <laughs> just think of our generation, how strange we've become. <laughs> just think about it. Like, if you said, Danny, 30 years ago that this would be happening, would you believe it? No. No. <laughs> but comparison will rob us of our vision, of our inheritance. Because... People can say, why aren't we doing this? Why aren't we doing that? You know, you might come here and you might have a vision for True Life Church. That's not the vision of True Life Church. Can I just say, keep it to yourself? Because we have a calling and a mission. By all means, bring heart, bring passion, bring ideas, bring all of that stuff. But the central heart and DNA of where we're going. If you can't, that's why we do the partnership course. If we can't agree on that, we're never going to go into our destiny. We'll be running in different lanes, crossing over, and then people start falling over each other and it goes up into chaos. Come on. Amen. You know, <laughs> you guys with me? Yeah. Yeah. Ben, this phone is interesting. Sorry, I'm just trying to keep track of time. Is this whole thing of winning and losing. <laughs> it's Instagram. Yeah. Mm. You know, the thing about a race that I find so interesting is there's a winner and there's a loser. Now, in Christianity, this gets even more messed up because, well, I really don't want to offend people here, but I'm going to do it, is we have, we have prophetic ministry that can end up very unhealthy because it's kind of like, oh, no, you know, we, we're all winners in Christ. I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you, probably your heart is, but it's just not true. So, if you, you know, some of you have lost. And to call it anything else is to rob you of a process of healing. And a process of actually acknowledging your sin that played a part in that journey. 
Because it comes and you, you mess up in an area of your life. It's not saying that's just okay. It's saying, actually, no, you have a race to run. But this, this, this thing that's trying to sidetrack you here, yes, repent, change it, but it's not too late. That's a prophetic word. That's a message of hope. But acknowledging where we've fallen short, where we've jumped out of our lane, where we've started going and getting distracted and going all this stuff, that's an important part of the journey. Because I'll tell you something, because otherwise, what is the point? If, you get to, if I get to the end of my life, I love my wife. I dearly love my wife. She is the most amazing wife I could have ever dreamt of, the best wife ever. You guys can disagree, all that, but she is the best wife. And I tell you, you know, my wife, but let me tell you something. We've got, a, what, 50, 60 years, I don't know, that might be maybe 80 years ahead of us. We need to run this race faithfully. If we get, you know, to the end and our marriage blows up, that's not winning. Can you see what I'm saying here? <laughs> that I've got a calling to stay in my lane, to focus and say, I want to love my wife for the next 50, 60, 70 years, however long we're alive on this earth, if we're lucky to live that long. But I'm going to love her and cherish her. But our marriage is such a central part of this journey. And to say that, you know, we, oh, I'm just not going to work, I'm not going to train, I'm not going to persevere, perseverance again, is such a travesty to my marriage. It's true. So what I want to see is a resilience built into us that in our relationships we persevere, we don't just run away. Yeah. How many ladies in the room want to hear that a man's just going to be there whilst it's all nice and happy, but as soon as there's perseverance required, they run away? None of you. Yet that's what we've seen happening in our culture day in and day out. We have a race to run, friends. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul said this, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. It's there, black and white. Argue with him. But I want you to battle for your children, for your relationships, for your freedom. For the prayers in your life that can actually change people's life, in your prayer life, actually warring for people, saying, I'm going to pray for this person no matter what. Why? Because I'm on a journey and I have an inheritance to claim and I'm going to keep praying for Ellis. I'm going to keep praying and persevering in my prayers for him. Why? Because that's what the gospel does. Because we're in a race and we're surrounded by a crowd of witnesses and we're all on this journey together. Let's run it. Let's not try and become something we're not. Let's not miss the mark of what God's calling us to. And the last thing I want to say is you need to keep your pace. Know your place, keep your pace. Because, I didn't even try that, but it is your distance will determine how fast you run. If you're in a sprint, you sprint. If it's a, you know, um, a long race, a 40 kilometer race or something, you're going to slow down a bit. Probably the hardest thing for me is that, slowing down. Because sometimes I, oh, I've got to slow down a bit. I'm like, no, let's, we're going to sprint this whole journey. We're going to run it. You know, that, that's how we go. But sometimes you just go and know your pace. And discipline is required for this. Yeah, yeah. You know, discipline, he comes in later, he says about, you know, Jesus and the discipline that he carried and that a father disciplines the son he loves. What son is not disciplined by his father? We don't like the word discipline anymore. You know, in our schooling system, we've taken discipline out. And you know what we've ended up with? Chaos. Absolute chaos. To the point I can sit down with Ollie as a police officer 
and the disrespect that is shown to police officers today because there's no understanding of discipline and authority anymore that's actually robbed a nation of its inheritance yet we, we're okay you know we, we're just going to say oh that's okay police officers can be spat on their cars can be spat on their tires can be slashed I said to him I was like come to South Africa and see what happens <laughs> I'm not saying they, they write as well but I'm just saying <laughs> something very you would not spit on an officer's car there because something would happen to you yet here you have a generation that's grown up and we've taken authority away from parents now so that there's no authority to discipline anymore there's no perseverance or resilience that you have children growing up thinking they God and suddenly they can shout at a police officer knowing there are no consequences. Why? Because we've taken away consequences anymore. So it's like, oh no, you're not naughty anymore. You're just, you know, having a moment. No, you're naughty. You need to repent. <laughs> am I speaking truth or am I just going crazy? Because we have generations, within the space of a generation, we've been robbed of some beautiful things. And the Bible calls the church to be salt and light, that we can bring truth into society. And if I'll say to Anna, the way we parent my grass, our prayer is a seed in this generation that we can say, look, it can still be done. And we are far from perfect, please say, but we are in a community that we're joining together. And I know that we've, we ask people in this community, how did you deal with this? How did you deal with that? Why? Because we learn it as we're going. But we have a generational inheritance here and it's been passed on and the baton's been passed to us. So one day when Eden has children, who knows when that will be, is he brings the children, we pass the baton that Danny's passed on to us, I'm passing the baton on to him. See, that's generational living. Come on. Amen. So, worship team, would you mind coming up? I'm uh, trying try and close. But the Bible says... That the Jesus for the joy set before him endured the cross. And this is where it gets really good. Is, can you imagine Jesus? Because some of us have an unhealthy view of the sovereignty of God. And I, every time I touch on this, I get, uh, you know, backlash. But I'm, I'm going to do it. Is the sovereignty of God doesn't excuse your human behavior. And so often in our understanding of what sovereignty means, we think that, and you know what that means, it's like God all-powerful, God almighty, God in control of history, all of that. We, we think that means that we have no human responsibility. Yeah. Whereas actually the kingdom partnership that we're talking about, our faith actually can move heaven. That's right. Powerful truth. That God in His sovereignty relinquished it in order to partner with humanity so that we could activate and walk with Him. Yeah. That was God's design. And what we see in here is, can you imagine, because so often our lives are like, oh, don't worry, um, God's just got it, uh, He'll make it happen. Yeah. yeah, very unhealthy. Yeah. And we'll do some teaching on this at some point. Because so often in our lives we think, my life doesn't matter, and what I do won't matter and affect people's lives, because God will just make it happen anyway. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. You've got to understand, imagine Jesus waking up and saying, you know what, God, your plans are going to happen anyway, so I'm just not going to die today. I'd rather not do the nail part. I'd not do the, the nails in my feet. I'd not do the whippings. Let me just leave that because I know your plan will just be fulfilled. Can you imagine what would happen? We'd all still be dead in our sins. You see, the beauty of Jesus was the Father, actually, He had an out, but He chose to go to the cross. Very powerful truth. 
that Jesus actually actively chose to persevere on the cross. And the Bible says, for the joy set before him, that's why and how he endured the cross. I said before at the baptism that the, the joy that was set before him was relationship with us. Relationship being restored to the Father. He was bringing back that joy, saying, Mark, I want you so much, I'm going to leave all of my heavenly glory in order to come and pursue you. Here, I'm willing to bankrupt my account in heaven so I can fill your debt with my grace that you can be set free. Put a nail in my hand. And that was the joy set before. And the Bible says we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and perfecter of our faith. So if you think this is just a human, man-made, legalistic journey, I'm just going to run this race in my own strength, you're wrong. It's, we run this race in the strength Christ gives, but we're fixing our eyes on Him. The way true life prospers is when all of our gaze is set on Jesus. Right. The way it's divided is when we start saying, Let me, how can I keep Danny happy? How, how can I make sure Danny's happy? Oh, oh, sorry, Dan, I didn't want to offend you. You know what happens then? We're just people pleasers. We're running around trying to please. How do I make Alice happy here? Instead of saying, actually, Danny, let's put our eyes on Christ. Let's run this race and fix our eyes on Jesus. And when we're all looking up, we're all running the same direction. And suddenly we're fulfilling the calling of God and the promises of God. Amen. Come on. This church is not made to please you. It's made to please Him. And we are running after Christ. And I tell you, when you feel like giving up, when you feel worn out, I want to tell you there is more grace and more strength for you today. He is so good. And I know when I took Anna on that wonderful run in uh, South Africa, I remember running and she shouted at me at one point in the, in the race. What? You know, you don't remember this, do you? Because <laughs> we were running... And we're running, running, and I'm at the front, running, not, not for any other reason than the point in the story, is I was running, and a snake came across the path. A poison snake. I think it was a boomslung. And so I, I jumped. I literally jumped. You know, because you, you're mid-running, I just jumped over the thing. I was like, snake! And it's like, babe, you can't do that. It's not funny. I said, I said no, there was actually a snake. It's like, you can't keep joking like this. I'm like, I'm like, babe, there was an actual snake that was about to bite me and was going to bite you. And, but you know what the difference is? She didn't see the snake. And the funniest part, this is like the boy who cried wolf. I mean, I never joke about stuff like this anyway. But, <laughs> but she was so, to this day, I don't know if you, you actually believe me that there was a snake there. But now I'm preaching about it. It must be true. Is <laughs> When I jumped over the snake, I avoided something that she couldn't see. And the Bible later in Hebrews 13 says, imitate your leader's faith. And it's talking about Jesus. He's gone before us. Leadership goes before us. So what he says, you might not even see what's coming, but I need you to trust me that I've been there. I know what's coming. You have the strength. I'll tell you when to jump. I'll tell you what to avoid. You need to trust and believe that I actually have your best at mind. And even when you cannot see the snake, trust me. When I say jump, jump. Because <laughs> that thing's going to bite you. And the, <laughs> the truth of the matter is the snake on the floor, because she didn't see it, she didn't believe it, but trust in the one who's gone before you, Amen. Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Christ again. 
Let us not try and fix our eyes on each other. Please, if your eyes are fixed on me, look up. Because <laughs> I am not as consistent as him. Because in Hebrews 13.8, read the book of Hebrews, beautiful book. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Dylan is not the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm a work in progress. If you have your eyes fixed on True Life Church, lift them up. Jesus. Let's point our, our focus on Jesus again. I don't know where you are in your life, in your story, in your journey, but I want to encourage you and say, actually, if you feel worn out, if you feel totally exhausted in this race, if you feel like you've done almost like a religious race, a religious treadmill where you've been running on the treadmill, running on the treadmill, running on the treadmill, and nothing's changing. Why? Because you're on a treadmill. <laughs> And it's time to get off the treadmill and say, actually, I'm going to look at Christ and enjoy this journey. Because purpose, if, if you're a non-Christian here today, I want to encourage you. What, how's life treating you? How is it? Is it as free as you thought when you got off the race? Or is there something actually about purpose that puts us in destiny and say, God, there's something greater than myself that I want to die for. I don't want to just live for myself. What a sad reality. But you, I know that there are people tired today. And I feel like the Holy Spirit, even earlier, what He is ministering and doing is refreshing. Yeah. It's refreshing. And saying you can run. Luther and Janet, uh, Luther came to me earlier and he's, Tom's ill. And he needs prayer. But this couple have persevered with their wonderful son. But they've persevered in ways that our generation can learn so much from. But you know what I look at them and I say, they're running their race. They're running their race. And you guys are heroes in this race. Because when I look at you, I just see Christ displayed in you and through you. And I want to encourage you guys that you are the great cloud of witnesses here. There's something of a hero of faith in you guys that you carry, that you have been faithfully sown into your son for years, and you have displayed love in a way that I never even understood. And I'm touched by your guys' lives and your faithfulness. But I want to say, keep running. Keep running. Keep running. Because your race is defining our races too. And there's a generational inheritance you guys are carrying on your lives. But I want to, I want to pray for you guys. Can we stand, please? Can we sing that song? Um, or do you have a song? Yeah, Consuming Fire is great, yeah. Um, Jesus. I wonder if there's anyone, if you feel tired in your journey, if you just feel you need a fresh touch, just lift up your hands. I just really feel the Lord's just wanting to refresh you with fresh energy. It's like a monster energy drink. <laughs> coming in <laughs> Jesus I just pray now Lord for every person with their hands raised that Lord there'd be an infilling of fresh fire Lord as Hebrews 12 28 said that our God is a consuming fire Holy Spirit we pray for you to just come and stir up hearts to run this race 
where people have got distracted and looked to the right or the left, I pray that they would repent and look straight ahead and look up at Christ and say, I'm running for one man. I'm running for the audience of one. I will celebrate the victories of others, but I will not compare myself to try and become like them. I've got a faith story I need to run. Holy Spirit, I pray, fill us up again, Lord. Fill us up with fresh fire, fresh desire to run this race for all eternity, Lord. Holy Spirit, just strengthen hearts now, Father. Strengthen hearts, strengthen the resolve in people's hearts to finish strong. Where marriages are struggling, Lord, I pray that there'd be a perseverance that comes into that. Where relationships are, are, are struggling, Lord, I pray for a perseverance in that to run this race. Father, where someone feels whatever, overlooked, insecurity, Lord, I pray for perseverance to freedom. Jesus, let us fix our eyes on you again. We want to run this race and finish well and finish strong and leave a legacy, Lord. And those of us that might have failed and messed up in ways we cannot even think that we could be forgiven, I pray for your forgiveness and grace that people would repent, but put their eyes back on you and run. Holy Spirit, come and refresh people with your grace. Holy Spirit, come and refresh people now. Holy Spirit, come and refresh people. Now just call out to the Lord wherever you are. I just want to, I feel there's a moment, just call out to God. God, I need you. God, I need you. Whatever it is, just call out to Him out loud. Let's do it. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Father. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 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 Lord. Let's just lift Tom up to the Lord now. Father, we lift Tom up to you. And we pray, Father God, right now, just for healing and restoration. Jesus, I pray for healing in his body. Holy Spirit, we ask just for your grace to be just right now, just through the top of his head, just that there'd be glory in Tom's body. And Lord, give Luther and Janet the strength and grace to keep running, to keep running. Thank you for this couple, Lord. But we pray, let your love that they display every day, just, just ignite something, Lord. Ignite something and release it. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Let's sing. Jesus.